1: going on everybody. Welcome back to Believe in the Jaguars right here on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino, and as always, I am joined by my partner in crime. He is the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire via USA today. And Jay, we're coming off a very ugly loss on the field. However, we also came away with a really really big victory and I'm excited to get into it here this week.
0: Yeah, man. And I think I can speak for all jazz fans here, man. Like, I don't think we've had a happier Monday in quite some time. Like, I mean, what happened and transpired in LA uh at the uh, at SoFi Stadium, by the way. Uh the place that you uh, you know, they, they that's where you work at basically. That's right. And uh, yeah, man, what transpired there, you could arguably say is the best thing that happened to the Jags. At least for now, we got to see how the future transpires. But it's the best thing that has happened uh, to the Jags, perhaps since they got the franchise. So that was exciting in itself. We'll talk about that today. Uh, But glad to be back. Uh, Glad to talk some football. And um, as usual, uh, thank you, everybody, for all of the support and what have you. So, yeah, man, let's get the show on the road, man.
1: Absolutely. Of course, we're going to dive all into you know the events of this Sunday, not only with the Jaguars, but also, as you mentioned, Jay, between the New York Jets and the Los Angeles Rams. A lot of people uh, saying that Jalen Ramsey is a sleeper agent over there. Uh, maybe that is the case. But before we start, you guys, uh, again, as Jay mentioned, thank you so much for all of the support that we have gathered thus far. If you are enjoying the show, please remember... To head on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe and leave a five-star review. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can, of course, find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find me at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O, and Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. And then last thing before we get started, we have to give a special shout-out. To this week's sponsor, once again, BetOnline.ag. And Jay, the NBA and college basketball are back. I can't believe it's literally right around the corner for the regular season for the NBA. Of course, the NFL and college football playoffs are right around the corner as well. With all these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or someone to upset Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, you need to go to BetOnline.ag. And, Jay, I was actually just looking through the website here today, and they actually added wrestling bets as well, and people are now taking bets on who is going to win the Men's Royal Rumble. And actually, believe it or not, Jay, our guy Big E is the current favorite at plus 300, but he also shares that with Edge and Goldberg. Uh, I don't think I want to see either one of those guys win it. Uh, Edge, you know, I think uh, we've gotten – some good nostalgia out of that, but I would much rather see Big E. Uh, Keith Lee is at plus 500 as well. I would love to see that myself, but those are a couple of things here on betonline.ag that you can throw your money down on. Now, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any other place online. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses Again, that's BetOnline.ag, and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So, Jay, let's get into the game here and everything that happened on the field, of course, and you know by now, the Jacksonville Jaguars fall to 1-13 after a 40-14 to loss to the Baltimore Ravens. And, Jay, I don't know if you remember or recall, you know, way back when we were breaking down the schedule in the beginning of the season— I'm pretty sure both of us saw this as possibly one of those games that would really get away from us and man did this one get away from us really quickly
0: yeah it absolutely did man and uh you know like there was also the possibility of when you look at how they've played some teams since the bye week that it could have been close um and also you know something to, that I kept in mind too was that the Ravens uh were coming off a short week as well after a very exhausting but Arguably the best game we've seen this year, uh, Monday night football game against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, but, yeah, earlier in the season when we made our predictions, yeah, you're right. Like both of us expected it to be this way. So, um, yeah, of course, the biggest story in, in terms of how the roster goes and, and the actual play on the field was the return of Gardner Minshew, who returned to the field for the first time since, what, the bye week, which was week eight, so technically week seven when they played, if I can recall, that was the Chargers. And, uh, you know, he didn't look all that great. I mean, I guess that's where I'll start with the quarterback play. Not That's not to even say that the offensive line looked good either because they didn't as well. And, uh, you know, both of those are positions that we're going to be looking at. We're going to further evaluate and we're going to be discussing a lot of um, in the offseason because uh, neither neither one of those uh, units look good for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But um, going back to the quarterback position, uh, Minshew, while the stat line, you know, looks uh, pretty decent to the eye, and I'm actually writing the article on some takeaways from the game, uh, the stat line does look pretty decent to the eyes in terms of, like, you know, his completions. I think he had completed, like, 23 of 29 or 21 of 29 or something along those lines last time I checked. And at the same time, he had these Minshew moments uh, that have uh, kind of broken the team's back at times with in terms of like, you know, fumbles and whatnot. It was uh, the fumble that Yannick got from him, who, by the way, Yannick and Gakwe just went off on the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I think we all expected that. But uh, there was that fumble uh, where he was kind of holding the ball uh, like a loaf of bread out there. Yannick came from behind, stripped him. Uh, the safety, you could also, to me, I guess you could kind of pin that on Minshew as well, although uh, he did look to have, like, at least, like, some sort of max protection going on there, perhaps, maybe, and then James Robinson kind of ran out to the flats but tripped, uh, but still, like, you know, you just got to have the timer in your head, in my opinion, when you're in the end zone uh, not to double pump there and just kind of get that out of your hands and, you know, throw it away at the least, but, uh, you know, that that kind of, Kick started what was going to be a bad game for the Jacksonville Jaguars because after that play, uh, it really didn't get much better. I mean, there was a few highlights here and there in terms of, you know, James Robinson with the breadbasket catch that he had from Minshew. So kudos to Minshew on that throw. That was probably one of the better throws we've seen in the season. Uh, but aside from that, you know, it wasn't really much to talk about offensively. They went ahead and scored, I think, on the last drive, uh, which of course that came in garbage time. That was to Chris Conley. Uh, but it wasn't really all that much to really harp on or really praise in terms of how the offense looked overall.
1: Right? You mentioned the Minshew stat line: twenty-two, of twenty-nine, two touchdowns. He had a QBR of forty point four, and that's ESPN's rating right there. So you know, we when you like you said, Jay, when you look at the statistics, you you think maybe he played a pretty decent game, but I mean, those statistics really just kind of reek of. A quarterback that's just doing kind of the bare minimum, and I think Minshew is is very aware, and I, you know I know he's very aware of what the franchise is thinking going forward, and also what a majority of the fan base is thinking, and we'll we'll touch on that here in just a moment. Uh, but yeah, you had those typical Minshew moments where he's getting out of the pocket and you know creating plays, and you know the stuff that we've kind of grown accustomed to. He definitely didn't. Get a lot of help in terms of the run game. The Ravens were really, really determined to shut that down. James Robinson, 16 carries, 35 yards. And then, of course, you did mention, Jay, he did have that touchdown catch uh, as well. That looked really, really good. Really one of the only few bright spots on the day, um, albeit it came when the Jaguars were already down, I think 26 or 33 to nothing. One of those two things. Um, but, yeah, it just didn't look very, very good uh, offensively. You know, there is that video floating around of Minshew just completely missing DJ Chark. And, you know, you know, Jay, of anybody, uh, any of us really, of course, within the fan base and as, as well as, um, you know, the front office, DJ Chark might be looking forward to getting a new guy in at quarterback as well.
0: Oh, yeah, man. You can see it in his body language, which we'll you know, we'll talk on later when we start to talk about uh, Lawrence and whatnot. Um, I'll probably bring him back up and, uh, you know, how he'll be happy about that. But, yeah, man, like you said, man, you could see it just in the receivers in general, kind of body language and, and charts as well. And, I mean, like it was pretty much, I mean, like like you said, the stats, you know, he had, what, 22 passes that he completed. But a lot of them, you know, from what I was watching um, because I was in and out of the game, but uh, a lot of them felt like dink and dunk passes, you know, where like, The uh, receivers had to rely on yardage after the catch and what have you. And I mean, like to put it simply, man, Doug Marone even said it after the presser, man, basically for the Jags, nothing really worked for them in terms of a game plan. And uh, when you have one of those games, you know, it's going to reflect in the score as it did for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So it just, it simply wasn't their day. And I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the Ravens were supremely more talented than them. And, uh, you know, they they out physical them in this game. And, you know, that's kind of the Jaguars thing, at least when the Jaguars were good. Like that's how they beat up on people. Basically, this team, this Baltimore Ravens team was a reflection of the 2017 Jacksonville Jaguars, pretty much. And, uh, you know, like it, it just looked like we were looking at a mirror image of what the Jaguars used to be on Sunday afternoon.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, you look at Lamar Jackson, 17-22, to 22, 243 yards, three touchdowns. He did have that interception as well, but that interception, of course, resulted in the safety, so that ultimately didn't really have too much effect on the game. J.K. Dobbins, the rookie, 14 carries, 64 yards. And uh, yeah, like you said, they, they kind of just punched them in the mouth defensively, as well as the Jaguars weren't really able to get anything done. Again, one of the continued bright spots continues to be Miles, Jack, and really not too much else. Uh, you know, Jay, I'll ask you a couple of questions here pertaining to you know some of the guys like Miles, Jack, like James Robinson, like DJ Shark, uh, how they should handle those guys in terms of their minutes and availability in the last couple of weeks. But yeah, defensively, Jay, it just it just looked bad again. Twenty six to nothing at halftime. At that point, you're pretty much already defeated. You know, you don't have the weapons on offense well i won't say you don't have the weapons you don't necessarily have the quarterback in place to bring you out of a hole like that so defensively outside of miles jack you know i don't know if there's really too much else i mean Dwan Smoot continued with Smoot season continued he did have a sack but other than that defensively you know like i said just struggles all around from offense defense and even special teams
0: yeah, well, I'll say this. Vaughn, uh, and Chason kind of flashed early in the game, too. And, that you know, that's kind of good because he keeps stringing these games together. What's that, like three games where we, we'll see a play or two where it's like, oh, hey, there goes Kayla And And, uh, yeah, he got in the backfield and had a tackle for loss on Lamar Jackson. Now, I think he almost had two, but I think, like, you know, Lamar is a slippery target, so he kind of slipped from his grasp. But I think he did make contact with him. And it's like, man, Caleb and and Miles Jack. Uh, those guys were, you know, were the guys that you can notice off rip, despite, you know, how bad things were going. It was like, hey, those guys came out there to play. Uh, But at the end of the day, like you said, like the the Ravens offense just proved to be too much to handle when the Jaguars defense had that one highlight play, which was the pick by Josh Jones. It just trickled all downhill from there. So like those were like, really, if you look at it, uh, the the play by Josh where he intercepted the ball. I think they were intending the ball for Marquise Brown. Um, and then the play that followed for the offense with Minshew, those were the two turning points of the game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Because like, if you just base the game off of that start and um, you know what I'm saying, in terms of the, the interception, it was like, okay, maybe the Jaguars will stick around in this game. And this will be one of those games where they're kind of a nuisance for the Ravens, like they were uh, for the Packers and like they were for the Vikings and, and so on and so forth, but that did not turn out to be the case, and uh, I mean, like, look, man, it's the same thing we've kind of been seeing all year from Todd Wash's defense, and I mean, in their defense, I mean, the offense didn't really help them all that much as well, um, but in the end of the day, the Ravens ended up with their, what, second 40-point game, if I can recall in a row, because they put up 45 or 47 against the Browns, so I mean, that offense is on a roll, and the Ravens just distributed the ball so well. You got Marquise Brown with the 98 yards. Me, I mean, you talked about that. Mark Andrews, you know, he got the touchdown on him. So they just kind of distributed the wealth, if you will. Um, and, and they didn't necessarily have a guy that registered 100 yards on the ground. But when you distribute wealth like that against a team that's young as the Jacksonville Jaguars, and, you know, they got a lot of injuries on defense, uh, you get this type of result.
1: Yeah, honestly, guys, there's not really too much else, you know, to, to get into. Of course, we're, uh, you know, 15, 16 weeks into the season now, only a couple of games left, and we all know what we want the end result to be. So ultimately, let's just give out these game balls here, Jay, uh, before we get into the ramifications of all the other events that happened elsewhere in the league for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Defensively, we're going to give the game ball to Miles Jack. As we mentioned, you know, he continues to be a huge bright spot on the team. And, you know, maybe he's that, maybe all of that success is starting to rub off on guys like Caleb on, like Dewan Smoot, especially in the absence of a Josh Allen and the offensive game ball, Jay. And this is going to segue into our next topic is Frank Gore of the New York jets, baby J E T S jets, 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 doing us a massive favor, Jay, getting their first win of the season as we mentioned, against the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium. I believe at one point, Jay, correct me if I'm wrong, they were up 17 to nothing or something along those lines, and then the Rams came storming back, and we were like, oh, crap, here we go again. But there was no Greg Williams in the way this time to to sit back and send an all-out blitz on a, on a, on a the final play of the game. The New York Jets get their first victory, thus resulting in and as of right now, if the season ended today, the Jacksonville Jaguars will have the number one overall pick in the draft and be in position to select Trevor Lawrence, who of course is being lauded as this once-in-a-generation type of talent coming out of the NFL draft. And Jay, man, I got to tell you, we, we went from being pretty somber in terms of you know the, the type of loss that this was, You know, uh, uh, Justin Fields also struggled in the Big Ten championship game. So I know Jaguar Twitter was kind of panicking and freaking out over that. And then lo and behold, the New York Jets gift us Trevor Lawrence, at least as of right now, December 21st, the year of our Lord 2020, Jacksonville is in position to draft Trevor Lawrence. Jay, what were your reactions when you heard uh, the notifications come through that the Jets somehow – Pulled off a victory against a Rams team that is right in the middle of a playoff race and actually could have clinched a playoff spot if they had just beaten the Jets.
0: I actually watched most of that game actually, so I was watching it as it happened. Albeit, uh, I think my stream was a little slower than everybody else's, but I didn't. I was on. I wasn't on Twitter on purpose because obviously they would tell me what happened or you could see what happened before it happened with the way my stream was operating. Uh, but yeah, I watched most of that game except for like maybe like some of the fourth quarter, like the first half of the first quarter or uh, fourth quarter. Excuse me. Uh, I had to run to the store real quick. And when I came back, I saw I, I co- coincidentally actually came back when the play, uh, the, the third down play that actually won them the game. And uh, they hit Frank Gore and he backed into the, the first down marker and I missed it because I was walking in as that happened. And I was like, so did he make the third down because they were on commercial break? Did he make the third down? Did he make the third down? They came back from commercial break and I saw the Jets in victory formation field. And when I say I was the happiest I've ever been in a minute, when I saw Sam Darnold and company in victory formation, and still like a part of me with it being the Jets, a part of me was like, the Jets are still going to screw this up somehow. (laughs) And fumbled a victory formation snap. Hey man, um, you never know. You never know. It's not over till it's over. You know until Sam Darnold actually hits that one knee. Uh, and yeah, yeah, he hit that one knee. And man, was I happy to see that. Now, of course, you know, we got to see how the rest of the process unfolds. But man, it was fun to watch how everybody reacted on Twitter. All of the Jags fans, uh, blase, blase, blase. Yeah, this, that, and the other. Uh, you know, we let off some tweets on our end, terms turns out, personal account and the Jaguars, um, not the Jaguars wire, but the uh, Believe in Jags podcast handle as well. And uh, yeah, man, like it was just a, a great moment for Jags fans in general, because as we all have pretty much stated in this podcast, me and you over the course of the months, man, it's just been nothing but doom and gloom for the Jacksonville Jaguars with the city council situation. Uh, with, you know, how they're playing on the field and shotguns disconnect with the team and so on and so forth. Like, this couldn't happen to a happier fan base and that reflected on Twitter.
1: Right, and then, you know, it's funny because you mentioned Twitter, the exact opposite going down on Jets' Twitter, you know, just an absolute meltdown and understandably so. You know, us here, we have been pretty much, um, pretty much accepted the fact that, hey, we're probably going to have to go with Justin Fields, which you and I were definitely on board with, or Zach Wilson, or a guy, you know, or somebody that maybe hasn't even been mentioned, Trey Lance. But we were pretty much, uh, we had pretty much settled into the fact that we were going to get the second best quarterback on the board. And then lo and behold, I, I, like I mentioned, all of a sudden the Jets give us a, an early Christmas gift, and now all of a sudden they find themselves in position to draft Trevor Lawrence. And, Jay, that's just going to make an already attractive job that much more attractive, isn't it?
0: Yeah, well, first and foremost, you know, I want to say, yeah, me and you had pretty much accepted the fact that, you know, we had settled in on fields. We accepted the fact that we were going to be second. But if you can't recall, one thing I did keep saying that just – Not to rule out, although the odds were in the Jets' favors to go winless. If it was a team to go winless, it was definitely this team. But one of the things that I harped on, and it might have been in the text, and it actually might have been in the podcast. We'll have to look back on that. But I did say this, and I don't know if you can remember, but I did say that it's hard to go winless in the NFL because you can always catch some team slipping um, down the stretch or whatever the case may be and make no mistake about it the Rams are far more talented than the Jets and make no mistake about it this was an upset let's call it what it is as you said the the Rams were fighting uh to secure a playoff spot and you know if you can't beat the Jets in such a a dire situation or important situation should I say uh you know the Rams fans should have something to worry about too and by the way The loss, I don't know if you mentioned this, but the loss actually helped us with that Rams pick as well. It made that a little bit higher, (laughs) at least for now. So, look, we weren't complaining about that uh, by any means. But, yeah, I don't know if you can recall this. I did say that, you know, it's kind of hard to go winless, even for the worst teams uh, or or, or for teams like the Jets and, and like the Lions team that we saw many, many years ago or whatever the case may be. That's true.
1: You did say that. And I was just in the mindset of looking at that schedule and looking at where the win could possibly come. And I just didn't see it. I certainly didn't see it happening against the Rams who just like we mentioned are in the middle of a playoff race and had been in position to lock down their playoff spot. They were a team that people have started to talk about in terms of maybe making a little noise, maybe making a little bit of a run because of their defense because of the weapons they have. Now, of course, you have Jared Goff there, who is maybe who's who's continuing to prove that he's probably just a guy. He's not necessarily going to lose you a game, but he's also not going to win you a game. And that's exactly what happened against the Jets. And, uh, you know, of course, the reactions all over the place from players within that Jets locker room. Of course, those guys are definitely there to win. They're not looking ahead. They're not looking to um, improve draft positioning or anything like that some of those guys may never play another snap in the league after this season is over. So you always understand the reaction when, you know, there's criticism coming towards the fan base's way. However, I will say, you know, that's just kind of how of course we can relate big time. You know, we're looking ahead to next season and the opportunity to bring in a once in a generation type of talent, which Jacksonville really has never had. I think their only, uh, their only other top two pick has been what Tony is. And then the other one was Luke Jokel or was he number three overall? I think he was Luke Jokel was number two, right? He was taken behind Eric Fisher, if I recall correctly.
0: Uh, Yeah. If I can recall, it was two or three. I'm, I'm more along the lines of maybe three, I would say. But yeah, he definitely wasn't number one for sure. We do know that for a fact.
1: Yeah. So pulling it up here, Jay, he was the number two overall pick back in 2013, right behind Eric Fisher, who, of course, is still with the Kansas City Chiefs now you know he's had a little bit of a, a an all over career as well, but he's definitely been more consistent than Luke Jokel ever was. I mean, you look at that draft in general, Jay, and it was kind of a mess all over. Uh, I mean, you look at the top five picks here: Eric Fisher, Luke Jokel, Deion Jordan, Lane Johnson. Of course, has worked out, and then Ziggy Ansa went number five, and then after that, it's just oh boy, it's definitely uh, really rough <laughs> when you look at this. You look at this draft. You see DeAndre Hopkins go at number twenty-seven as maybe the uh, the only other superstar that's on this list. Desmond Trufant is on here as well. But 2013 overall just proved to be a little bit rough, at least early on. So, yeah, I mean, Jay, what do you think this means now? I mean, of course, there are a couple of games left. However, we are going to at least celebrate for right now. So so what do you think? You know, now you, you present a GM the opportunity to draft Trevor Lawrence, along with over $80 million in cap space and uh, multiple draft picks, Uh, The rest of the way, I mean, come come on, you feel like guys are going to be calling us to take this job, right?
0: Yeah, I never got around with that. I got so tied up in uh, my uh, my past statements that I never answered that for you the first time. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you're right. Like, well, for me, and I told I I put this on Twitter. I actually uh, captioned something that Brenton Martineau was saying along the lines of what you just said. But for me, I felt like the job was already attractive and people should have already been calling. You know, but this definitely this makes it super attractive. I mean, like you could argue I already felt like even without the Lawrence situation that the Jacksonville Jaguar situation was very unique. And it was one like that GMs would look at and say, even the GMs that didn't get the job right in that interview would look at it and say, hey, I'm never going to get an interview with a job offer with that much assets in terms of the NFL and the NFL GM gig. Um, So, you know, I thought, you know, there were going to be some guys that actually, as odd as this sound, uh, left the Jacksonville Jaguars situation in terms of their interview process with some regret that they didn't get the job. Uh, And that was without uh, Trevor Lawrence. Now, that being said, you add in Trevor Lawrence into this situation and this equation, and it's just a whole game changer. No if fans or buts. Now, to me, the Jacksonville Jaguars can pretty much get any coaching GM they want. They should be. Because at the end of the day, now, look, we got a ways to go. We got two games to go now. Don't get me wrong. And me and you will talk about that after this. Um, so let's not overlook that, as you've said. But you look at all of these names we're talking about. Why wouldn't Eric Enemy want to uh, coach up a young Trevor Lawrence? Who wouldn't want that opportunity? He's the Peyton Manning of, I mean, well, we are assuming he's the Peyton Manning of this generation. He's the Andrew Luck of this generation. He's the uh the Denver, uh the not Denver Broncos, but the John Elway of this generation. Why wouldn't Eric B. Enemy want to work with that? Yeah, sure. There are franchise quarterbacks in Atlanta and Houston as well. But The aspect of just building a dynasty, you got to start with Trevor Lawrence and you can build something that can last for 15 years with this kid because you're getting him on a dirt cheap deal, by the way, that is very affordable for the first three years and you don't have to pay him. So, you, you know, you don't have salary cap issues as it is, but you won't have to deal with that for three years in terms of. Uh, The stuff that that gives you so much flexibility. And this is kind of how the Chiefs have flourished in terms of when they had Patrick Mahomes on his rookie deal. They put pieces around him when he was cheap. And look at him now. You know, it's actually working. I mean, now they're paying him a lot of money, obviously, Uh, but he's well worth it. Uh, He's proven it and they might even win the Super Bowl again. So that would definitely prove that he's worth it. But this is a similar situation to that. And Eric B. Enemy, who's already been through that situation and saw how it went with Patrick Mahomes, um, Gunzi, the executive that works there, who was a part of that front office while that process unfolded, will definitely want to come here. Uh, you look at guys like uh, Rick Smith, I believe it is, uh, the, the former Houston GM that's been getting interviews. He would definitely want to come here and, and definitely uh, interview for this job, seeing Lawrence here. Um, all of these guys, Marvin Lewis, so on and so forth, you know, the list goes on. Basically, we're in a position where, you know, the phone should be ringing off the hook right now for Shot Khan. And Shot Khan, I mean, I don't want to give him too much credit, but uh, it's going to be very hard to mess this up with how attractive this thing can get and what kind of offers you're going to get and what kind of calls you're going to get. But look, that makes the offseason that much more filled with anxiety. Uh, because, you know, now it's a matter if the Jaguars can, first of all, finish uh, these last two games without wins. And then after that, it's also on Shad Khan to make the right call in terms of who he is going to pair this young man with if we can get him in terms of a GM and a head coach.
1: So let's look ahead a little bit here, Jay. Of course, we're going to do this a lot over the next couple of weeks. The last two opponents for the Jacksonville Jaguars that this week upcoming we have the Chicago Bears who are of course right in the middle of a playoff race and then you have the Indianapolis Colts who of course I think are going to be very determined to uh, you know right the wrong of them being the only person the only team that has given up a win to the Jacksonville Jaguars and of course they're right in the middle of a playoff race and a division race with the uh, Tennessee Titans of course and then the Jets you look at their last two games Cleveland uh, once again, right in the middle of a playoff race, looking to hang on to their spot in terms of the wild card. And the New England Patriots. Now, the Patriots are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. The first time, I think, since 2008. Remember, that was the year where Tom Brady went down and Matt Castle stepped in. And they still won 11-5, and by the way, the Patriots did that season. Now, Cleveland, you don't really expect them to go in there and win. However, we didn't expect them to go into SoFi and win either. And they came out with a victory 23-20. to So when you look at the last few games for both of these teams, uh, as I mentioned, Jets have Cleveland and New England, Jacksonville has Chicago and Indianapolis out of these games, you know, what do you see as, as possible, you know, uh, situations where either one of these teams could pull out a victory, or do you think both of them will probably lose out heading into the final couple weeks of the season?
0: Yeah. So with the Colts, you know, they're right there in terms of, uh, they're, they're at it looks like I guess you would consider this a wild card spot. They got the number six seed, um, and the the Dolphins are the number seven seed. So uh, it looks like they're going to have something to play for, um, in the season finale. And uh, you know, look, man, I feel like Philip Rivers, if he channels his inner Jaguar Killer, the Jacksonville Jaguars shouldn't win that one. And make no mistake about it. Yeah, the Jacksonville Jaguars' only victory came against them. But as we said, the thing about the Colts is. And Arden also said this as well. They just don't start seasons well, especially on the road. Uh, that's kind of been a traditionally, uh, traditionally a flaw of theirs. And, you know, like here we are, they're established now. They got some momentum. Uh, you know, they are one of the better defenses in the league, by the way, Um Matt Eberflis if I'm saying it correctly their defensive coordinator has done a good job there and should get head coaching considerations I need to get a interview with the Jaguars albeit we would prefer an offensive guy uh, but yeah that one you don't really much so worry about in terms of what's in stake and how the Colts are playing right now in that defense and Philip Rivers ability to shred Jaguars defenses and by the way if the Jaguars don't bring guys like Devon Hamilton back and Josh Allen back, like we're looking at a makeshift defense like we looked at this week um, in, in the past game against the Ravens. So that one doesn't really concern me. At the beginning of the year, it kind of did, or towards the middle of the year when it was looking like, hey, we could be in line for a top two pick, but not so much now when looking at how they've grown since the, um, you know, during the second half of the season. Now with the Bears, and look, I get it. like. A lot of Jacksonville Jaguars fans, because this is the Jaguar thing to do. And this is what we're programmed to do is kind of be pessimistic about it. Uh, but even with this Bears game, and, you know, yeah, I do have certain kind of concerns with this. Uh, but if we just look at this thing and take it into perspective, right? Yeah, they have Mitch Trubisky. But at the same time, uh, let's not forget as Jags fans that the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to go into this game against this defense without Brandon Lander, who's on season end in IR. They're going to go into this game against the number one graded, at least last time I checked, pass rusher in football, Khalil Mack, with Cam Robinson and Jawan Taylor playing the way they've played. So that can't be good from that perspective. Uh, they're going to face an angry angry, uh, an angry Allen Robinson as well, with cornerbacks who basically we barely know their names aside from Trey Herndon. You know, we, we're talking about guys here like Greg Mabin started crying out loud. And that's nothing against Greg Maven, but we just signed Greg Maven off of waivers like two or three weeks ago. So from that perspective, you mean to tell me like Allen Robinson isn't going to be able to shred uh this secondary uh like he should with the skill set that he that he has and you know if he's really the Alan Robinson that we know him to be and with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, you shouldn't be concerned from that end as well. Like, so the only thing, like, I guess, like, that people really should be concerned about when you look at all of those flaws that the Jaguars are going into this game with is Mitch Trubisky. And if, I feel like if they protect Mitch Trubisky, do the Blake Bortles plan, protect them from hurting himself in the team. And uh, you, by the way, David Montgomery has been playing pretty good uh, as of the last few weeks as well. Make sure you don't put the ball or the game in his hands, in Mitch Trubisky's hands. And they should win this one. But I'm more so banking on that defense to show up um, against the Jaguars offense, who, by the way, one more thing, too. We just talked about how bad Gardner Minshew looked and, you know, his ability to or his inability to go down the field, so on and so forth. Let's not forget, again, because it's easy for us as Jazz fans to do and be pessimistic. Let's not forget this Gardner Minshew looks nothing like the 2019 Gardner Minshew. This guy's not throwing down the field. Uh, he's not seeing things down the field receivers are frustrated with him and it's just from that standpoint I mean I would have to say it's just hard to see the Jacksonville Jaguars winning that game albeit they make and make it close and interesting that's something I've harped on they've been competitive in some games but at the end of the day uh, the Bears have the defense at least to get them by in this game
1: Yeah, there is one game that I'm certainly worried about them winning. It is this game coming up against the Bears. Now, uh, just as you mentioned, Jay, you know, they've kind of been all over the place. Uh, uh, Nick Foles, of course, uh, was the starter at one time. Mitchell Trubisky is now the starter again. And, you know, Mitchell Trubisky lost his job when they were like, what, four or five and oh, or something like that. And, um, you know, it's the last home game of the year. So, um, you know, you always kind of worry about that as well. And, and I think this is one of the reasons why the team, uh, they haven't pulled the trigger in terms of letting Doug Marone go before the end of the year. Because as we talked about in the past, you know, that can sometimes galvanize a team. That can, that can rally the guys and be kind of, uh, inspire them to kind of play better than they have all season long. And, you know, we have not, of course, done that here. Um, I know a lot of people <laughs> were making uh, a lot of fuss about, The Adam Schefter report that uh, Doug Marone did have the backing in the locker room. But uh, since that happened, I can't remember the stat. I can't remember who tweeted it out, Jay. I don't know if you saw it or not. But the Jaguars, ever since that report came out, have been outscored by an astronomical amount. So (laughs) I don't think you guys have to really worry about that too much. Uh, Now, at this point, uh, I'm I'm with you. I I definitely think it's going to be uh, the Jaguar killer, Phillip Rivers, that shows up in Week 17, wants to get his team into the playoffs, wants to also deliver a, uh, a division championship for the team as well. It's just this Bears game specifically that definitely scares me. Um, you know, you will definitely see what happens and, and just hope that we can continue to maintain the draft position that we are currently in right now. But, uh, Jay, I mean, there's not really too much else. This is going to be a, a bulk of our discussions here the last couple of weeks of the season. We're on Trevor Lawrence Watch and we're in a position that we didn't think that we were going to be in. So now things get very, very interesting. Is there anything else you want to discuss before we get out of here for the week and move on to Chicago?
0: Yeah, I will say this about the Chicago game too. Um, you know, while there are minor concerns and of those things that I mentioned as well, like going actually in the Bears' favor to win. One thing that also we should put in that category that Going in the Bears' favor, or could go in the Bears' favor, is the uncertainty of James Robinson. As we all know, he left the game with an ankle injury late in the game. And while you know, I understand that he wants to play the rest of the season and he wants to go out there and continue to finish all of these accolades that he's made. I mean, rightfully so, and also prove people further wrong with the Pro Bowl situation, which he wasn't voted in, by the way. But at the end of the day, you know, they shouldn't push him. And I don't know if Doug Marrone would push him. Um, you know, that's a time will tell type of thing. But the Jacksonville Jaguars could be without James Robinson after he left the game. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just wiser because there's really, I mean, nothing to play for aside from pride. Uh, you need to save and and avoid your players or, 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 you know, keep your players from bad situations that nobody wins from. Okay. Like these next two wins aren't going to save Doug Marone or whatever the case may be. Um, and that being said, hopefully, you know, We'll see what the situation with James Robinson is. But if he doesn't play, the Jaguars have lost their most consistent weapon in terms of the offense. And if he doesn't play, then you got to really, really feel like it's going to be an uphill battle for the Jags.
1: That's true. Definitely forgot to mention that, even though he's had a couple of games in a row where uh, the numbers have not really stood out. uh, He has still been our most consistent weapon, uh, mostly because of uh, a lot of it, because, of course of the instability at the quarterback position. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if I were the team, Jay, I mean, I don't know how you feel about it. I would start shutting some of these guys down, James Robinson, Miles Jack, DJ Chark, you know, just uh, for the sake of the future. You know, uh, like you said, you have a really great young core here. You know, maybe give guys like LaVisca, like Colin Johnson, um, Divine Azigbo, who, of course, hasn't gotten a lot of play this year, Agumba Wale. Maybe give some of those guys some reps. Some I don't know how you feel about that. I know the players themselves are probably not going to want to shut it down. They want to go out there and play. But where do you fall along those lines before we get out of here of you know possibly shutting down some of these guys that are going to be such a big part of the future and such a appealing part of the roster?
0: Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. I also because it's about the the long term future. And I mean, let's put it this way: hypothetically, if Doug Marrone were to come back or believe he could come back next year okay you don't want to have one of these guys have an injury that's going to bleed in the next year and leave you without one of your best players next year and again like in terms of your record or make it a postseason that's already decided the, that fate is already decided at this point and it's not worth it to lose those ga- those guys or one of those guys um, i mean the beginning of next year um because you know, they, they didn't shut it down or you didn't want to shut them down or whatever the case may be. So we'll see. Um, I don't think Marone's going to like, in terms of the guys that are available and healthy, I don't think he's going to necessarily rest them or pull them or with that kind of mindset that I just thought of. But at the same time, it's guys like James Robinson, who is, you know, coming off the injury, those are the guys more. So I think he might lean towards shutting down and, uh, you know, kind of saving them in terms of this back Part of the season all right folks
1: well that's pretty much going to wrap it up for this week i do want to end the episode with some good news our guy jay the mayor of saxonville uh, calais campbell let's say he was selected today to his sixth pro bowl selection and you know uh, couldn't happen to a better guy I, I know i speak for the fan base when we uh we say that we miss calais around here but are really happy to see him continuing to have success up there in baltimore and and, hell, I don't know about you, Jay. I would love to see the guy get a ring before it's all said and done in his career. Um, but before we get out of here, Jay, anything else you want to mention that they can look forward to when it comes to, of course, the Jaguars Wire and the podcast?
0: Yeah, man, I got to um, – it's on a Monday night, which is the 21st. I got to get some more articles out before the night is up. Uh, it's been a busy day for me, so only got one post up. We'll kind of reflect on the game still for – Uh, these night posts, and uh, on Tuesday we might do some PFF stuff like we do. Then Wednesday is, you know, it's moving on to the Chicago Bears, who, uh, again, like you said, with a 7-7 and record, they got some things to play for. And, uh, you know, maybe we can uh, get somebody on to talk Bears with us um, around the the Friday area or maybe the Thursday area or something like that Um, because uh, they are an intriguing team. Because, like you said, they've been all over the place. So, you know, maybe we'll do that. We'll see. Uh, But, yeah, man, like, as you said, man, we're going to continue to hold it down. Two more games. So hang in there, folks. Um, I know these two games are going to be filled with anxiety. Uh, But we got this. And uh, the future is looking bright. Hopefully. We'll see.
1: <laughs> yeah, guys, these, these last couple of weeks are going to be stressful for a whole different reason. Uh, but, you know, hopefully... Things will go our way. Make sure you stay tuned to the Jaguars Wire for all of your up-to-date news. And, of course, again, if you're enjoying the podcast, remember to go over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review along with subscribing. We're also found on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. Of course, you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can tweet the show at Believe in Jags Pod. You can find myself at Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. And Jay is over at sportsgrind underscore dawn. And one more shout out to this week's sponsor, betonline.ag. This has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We certainly believe, and we hope you do too. You guys have a great night. We'll see you next time.